Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It's Thursday, the 25th of May, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Good morning. Okay, and let me just say um, to those of you who have been seeking to send me a text message this week uh, over the text line. The text line has been down for the week, and so I apologize. And what I thought was you were probably getting some kind of bounce back message that said, hey, that was a dead end, that didn't go anywhere, but now I have learned that you weren't getting any response at all. And so that's because we can't see them. We can't see them. We're blind. Um, Our text line's not working. So once it's up back and running, uh, up and running again, I'll let you know. In the meantime, you're just like texting into oblivion when you try to use the text line. So I apologize for that. You can always email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Not promising that I can read all of those emails in real time during the show, but I promise you that um, I, I will see them. So uh, thank you so much for all the ways that you uh, communicate with us. We do appreciate it and um, apologize that the text line's not not currently functional. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. If you've not signed up uh, to receive the Growing Your Faith verse of the day. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Also, um, time is running out uh, to enter our Max Lucado book giveaway. Every day in the month of May, we're giving away a copy of Max Lucado's In the Footsteps of the Savior. So if you haven't entered that drawing, you can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26 says, Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. He is mine forever. God remains the strength of my heart. My health might fail, my spirit might grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. What do you desire this morning? What do you need today? Where are you turning to get it? Who have I in heaven but you? Now, the good news for you and I on this side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that we have an advocate in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father, um, advocating for us continually, and his name is Jesus. And we also have the companionship of the Holy Spirit to encourage and guide and direct and console and comfort us in this life. And so when the psalmist says, who in heaven uh, have I but you, um, Christians actually have more to the answer to that question than the psalmist had when these words were first spoken. And so who do you have in heaven? Remember Stephen, um, when he is on his knees being martyred, and he turns his eyes 
toward Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus stands up. That's who you have in heaven today, my friend. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and have an advocate in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father. And then there is this question of desire. So what do you desire? What is your heart's desire today? And do you desire something or someone more than you desire God? Because the psalmist has the right affect here, has the, has the, the right desire. When he says, who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. So let's get the desires of our hearts headed in the right direction, and then let's direct our prayers to the God in heaven, even in the midst of travail here upon the earth. Our friend Ben Johnson is going to join us next, and we are going to turn our attention and uh, to some of the headlines of the day, and we're going to apply the mind of Christ. How have you been affected by abortion? There have been, to date, more than 50 million abortions in the United States um, in just the last uh, five decades. And so you have been affected by abortion. Maybe you just haven't thought about how. We're going to talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Ben Johnson is back. You can find what Ben is writing at WashingtonStand.com. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. I think I would just like um, to have you tell us the story this morning of Karen Barbito. She was an absolute inspiration. Uh, I got to talk to her last week, and uh, she's she works with a group called Support After Abortion, and uh, her her story is is heart wrenching, and yet it's a story of redemption, a story of triumph, and uh, it was it was just so inspiring to hear about her. Uh, Karen had uh, had been in college uh, many decades ago. She's uh, she's now middle aged, and she's she shared her story many times. But uh, Karen, when she was in college, uh, got pregnant, and um, she wanted to protect the relationship, so she chose to have an abortion. And uh, she ended up uh, breaking up with uh, with that individual. The relationship uh, didn't work out anyway. She got married and divorced. And um, while she was married, she realized she couldn't have any children. Uh, she they tried and they they couldn't conceive. And she was absolutely heartbroken. Uh, she she said the only thing she ever really wanted to be was a mother, and yet uh, she was unable to to uh, succeed in the one thing that she she wanted to be involved in she felt like a failure and she felt like she had missed uh her window that that uh, the the because of the abortion she would never be able to be a mother and so she uh she was heartbroken in so many ways uh that relationship also ended uh, in divorce uh you know she she broke up with a boyfriend then she was divorced from her husband and she met uh, a man who was a drug addict and he introduced her to uh, to drugs and she said the first time she she uh, ever had any drugs she felt like she had been tense her entire life and that she had the most intense liberating high she had ever had mm. in her life 
Uh, she said it felt like her all the tension in her body just disappeared and she was she was finally relaxed and so she spent several years um you know pursuing pursuing drugs uh she she did end up spending some time in county jail and uh, she she tried her very best but uh, it, it took her years and years to get clean uh she the the relationship with the uh, individual who was involved in drugs also ended and she went in she went back to college she went into uh, several different healing ministries homeless ministries and uh, in the end she applied to work at a pregnancy resource center and the person there uh, ended up seeing that she had an abortion and uh, the the woman who was interviewing her said have you ever been through any kind of counseling or healing and she said no but i don't need it I, i've been clean now for many years and uh, she she made it a precondition that she had to to go through this healing because there might have been something she missed and she said she had no idea how un, how not okay she was because of all of the trauma that she had experienced so when she went through this healing she said she truly became herself uh you know all of all of the pain she'd been carrying around came to the surface she dealt with it uh she is healed now now she helps other women come to that same sense of, of healing and there's a, a piece in here where she talks about the church uh particularly we did this just around mother's day and she said mother's day of course is one of the highest attended uh, days in all of the church and yet she hated going to church because it felt like everyone in church could stand up for mother's day except for herself and after she went through healing she said i was able to realize that i am a mother and uh, she began to love the child uh, and and to recognize her place that uh, although she had made a different choice she was a mother she loves her child and uh she she was able to um to finally completely own up to that uh, part of her life and accept uh, what had happened to heal from it and to help others uh, to heal and move forward in the light of god if you're listening right now and you are um 25% of the women in America who have experienced abortion by the age of 45. I want you to know you're not alone. Um, and I want you to know that there's a community of believers out there and resources available um, for you. I want you to check out weareeverywhere.life. Weareeverywhere.life. It's a community of um, women who have been impacted by abortion and um a constellation of resources available there for you. So we are everywhere.life. We're going to continue our conversation with Ben Johnson here in just a moment. One of the um, one of the things going on right now is it's graduation season. There are graduations taking place all over the all over the place at every level. Um, maybe you have heard a commencement address recently. Um, what are young people hearing at commencement addresses and what might we be best pouring into their lives? And then whose kids are they anyway? Um, what does the current administration in Washington think about whose kids our kids are anyway? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them 
to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. We're talking with Ben Johnson. You can find what Ben's writing at WashingtonStand.com. Ben, let's look at this piece about the Biden administration and what they're telling adults in terms of how to discuss things um, behind the backs of the parents of teenagers. What's what's going on here? Yeah, this is highly disturbing. Uh, It was an investigative piece that I wrote for the Washington Stand. This month is National Adolescent Health Month. And uh, the Biden administration put out a statement at the very beginning saying that their top priority is to expand sexual and reproductive services to adolescents, which is teens. Of course, we're talking all the way down to the age of 13. What's more disturbing is that if you look at the resources page, uh, which was uh, posted by the assistant uh, uh, secretary of health, uh, Rachel Levine, it has several resources there one of which was uh, put out by a group that uh, trains people who provide Title X services, which is to say family planning, which in in, uh, less highfalutin terms is simply they provide contraceptives to anyone who asks, particularly to teenagers. That document, uh, which I went through, and there's also an associated webinar, which I watched and transcribed, uh, there are uh, several different people who were involved in this who have strategies. They learned something from the pandemic. During the pandemic, uh, parents were watching their children's schooling and they were concerned with what their kids were being taught. They wanted to make sure that didn't happen when it came to Title X. So they have a whole series of strategies to tell people who are providing contraceptives or talking about sex with teens about how to do it behind their parents' backs or how to get the parents out of the room. So uh, the documents say, for example, and this is a quote, at the beginning of the visit, do a privacy screen. Ask, are you alone in the room? Uh, The guidelines recommend that teens can uh, only call when their parents are gone or they could could talk in the bathroom or in the backseat of a car or out by the shed or they could type things in a chat box or at a minimum, they could wear headphones so that their parents can't hear what the adults are telling them, which is incredibly concerning. Uh, One of the Title X recipients uh, says that uh, once they know that teens want birth control, the guidelines suggest that offices, for example, have vans roam through neighborhoods distributing federally funded contraceptives to teenagers or that they mail birth control to teens in, quote, plain unmarked packaging, uh, like a plain brown wrapper, or they have teens receive contraceptives at public meetup places. So uh, all of this is essentially saying have Title X providers who are federally funded grantees, and these are federally funded guidelines, uh, are have the right to talk to children about their sex life and to cut parents out of that discussion completely. 
Um, the same process, by the way, Ben, uh, is taking place in relationship to access to abortion-inducing drugs. Um, there's a whole network of people um, providing, trafficking, um, abortion-inducing drugs uh, across the border from Mexico to the United States and then through a network of um, particularly women in the United States who are I mean, it's it's I'd call it black market if they were charging anything. But in the same in the same way that you're talking about, they're um, they're they're giving away these drugs for free. Um, When we're talking about our kids and we're talking about the way other people are influencing our children, can you just remind us from a Christian worldview, from a biblical worldview, whose children are these? Well, the Bible tells us that uh, raising up children is the greatest responsibility that any one of us ever have. We've been entrusted by God to raise up a child in the way in which he should go, uh, to make sure that we teach them the, the law of the Lord when they rise up in the morning and when they go to bed at night and when we walk in the way, which is to say in everything that we do. So that has been entrusted completely to parents. At no point does it say, and by the way, your co-parent, the government, also gets a say, or if uh, some federally funded adult wants to speak to them, they can countergain the word of God and uh, do their best to enable children, uh, and again, in many cases, we are talking about children, uh, to go behind their parents' back and do something that's potentially life-altering. Parents are the ones who have uh, the God-given responsibility to raise their children in the love, the fear, and the admonition of the Lord. And uh, our doing so should be facilitated by the government. It should not be uh, countervailed or contradicted by the government. Yeah, and I want to talk um, with you about uh, a commencement address that, you know, there's all kinds of commencement addresses being offered right now. It's commencement season Um, But there was a great graduation speech by uh, Super Bowl champion Harrison Buckner. uh, uh, And um, and he basically told young people to get married and start a family, which is just not what most commencement speakers are telling young people. Why does it matter that young people get married and start families like what? Why does that matter for them and their own prosperity and And why does it matter for society writ large? Well, it it matters on so many reasons. Uh, You know, these are these are milestones in life, and uh, more and more they're getting put off. Uh, As as you say, this this was an inspiring speech from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. He he said, "I own." couple of different Super Bowl rings. My wedding ring is the most important one. And there's a pandemic of loneliness. The reason that we have this pandemic of loneliness is that we are seeking ourselves for the the beginning of our lives and not seeking connection and relationship at the deepest level with someone else, particularly in a marriage relationship. Uh, Marriage has been put off uh, for women. 60 years ago, the average woman got married about 20 or 21. It's now uh, almost 29. For men, it's over the age of 30. Uh, and the the percentage, it's funny, you know, young people, when you ask them, they say that they aren't financially ready to be married. But Pew put out a, a, a report just this week. Uh, only uh, if you look at the percentage of people who are living independently and making their own money in, in that age group, they're only 3% less likely than people uh, in their same age group at, say, 25 to be independent uh, than people in 1980. But uh, they're about one-fifth as likely to be married or to have had a child. So they have the means 
it, it seems as though they're simply pursuing a higher level of financial life on their own, or that something else is happening that our society is making it almost impossible for people to meet uh, and to form long-lasting relationships, perhaps because uh, our society has said that's not what's important. And deep down, uh, with this pandemic of loneliness that even Surgeon General uh, Vivek Murthy warned about uh, earlier this month, this pandemic of loneliness, which is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day, uh, he said, is sweeping society because uh, we realize at the deepest level we do need that connection. And uh, so this, this is incredibly important for society, for our personal health, our physical health. But uh, above all, when there's something about uh, marriage that makes men grow up, uh, certainly there's something about having children that, that makes us more responsible adults, makes us more likely to, uh, to care for others and uh, to make good decisions and not to take as many chances to try and become responsible because now we're entrusted with another life, which is our God-given responsibility. That is good for society and this endless pursuit of hedonism, which uh, is being put off essentially adolescence is being doubled from uh, 19 or 20 years old now to almost uh, 30 in some cases. That is uh, that is bad for society writ large because uh, adolescents don't end up uh, governing responsibly and they end up having to have someone else clean up their mess. So when we have when we have responsible adults taking care of children and taking care of one another, the epidemic of loneliness disappears, better decisions are made, and the world is better off with children. The world is better off with children, Ben, if you have a worldview that is um, not nihilistic. Um, and so I think that that's part of the challenge that we face. I was uh, I was just reading in on the brand new general social survey issued by um, NORC, the University of Chicago's research organization, and uh, not quite 50 percent of Americans um, actually believe in the existence of God at a level where they, you know, are, are firm and, and have no doubt about that. And so if we've reached the place in culture um, where at least half of us aren't really sure, we might, we might give a nod in the direction of, oh, sure, I believe in God, but we're not certain. We don't have a, a certainty of faith. We haven't actually built, built that confession on anything that's a firm foundation. Um, it's no surprise to me. I mean, if there's no God then, um, I mean, if we live in a genuinely godless world, then this is this is all there is, and this is as good as it's ever going to get, um, in which case I should get as much as I can, and why would I want to bring another person into the world? Um, it, you, see, you see the challenge, right? I mean, if we really head in the direction of a godless society, um, it's no surprise to me that fewer and fewer people would be having children. And which is exactly what we see in uh, more secular societies, say, in Europe, where mm -hmm. the birth rate has collapsed alongside with uh, the lack of true faith and uh, religious uh, religious belief and certainly participation in, in uh, faith services. But uh, yeah, they, they walk hand in hand. As you say, if, if this life is all we have, then uh, let us eat, drink, and uh, be merry for tomorrow we die, as the Bible tells us. So there, there is no reason for us to sacrifice, to put others' needs first. Uh, but when, it, when we do believe in God, then we understand that uh, we should serve all others 
and that uh, there is a brighter hope and a, a larger future for us, and that our true meaning comes in serving others, especially the least of these, and none is less uh, than a newborn child. So mm-hmm. that's that's truly our greatest privilege, and it's one of our high callings in the Lord. So may God commend all those who are pursuing that, and uh, may many more find it because they have found the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is why we're going to be talking here in just a moment with Joel Penton from LifeWise Academy. Um, ben, thank you um, so much. We are um, we're looking for positive efforts and programs out there that are leading young people into a relationship with God through His Word. And so if you've never checked out LifeWise Academy, you would love it as well. Thank you so much, as always, Ben, for joining us. Thank you for what you're writing and researching about at Washington Stand. Um, You guys can check out what Ben is writing and the articles we've talked about today at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, what's happening at your local public school? What's happening in your community with kids? Is there a LifeWise Academy operational in your school district? There should be. We're going to talk with Joel Penton next. LifeWise Academy um, is an effort to expose children, young people, to the Bible during school hours. Yep, you heard me correctly. During school hours. What's happening during school hours in your school district? Do you even know? Um, Would you like to impact emerging generations and introduce them to the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, the storyline of the Bible. Um, Why might that be of value, not only to kids who are growing up in Christian homes, but to all the kids who are not? LifeWise Academy, that's next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joel Penton is joining us now from LifeWise Academy. You can find what we're talking about at LifeWise.org. Joel, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen, for having me. All right. There is so much that we could um, say about you. Um, I'm just going to describe you um, as uh, a young man with a family who I know from having founded Stand for Truth, um, but many other people will know from your um, college athletic career um, as a Buckeye, and um, and others know today as the founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy. So again, you guys can check out Joel's full bio and get to know him um, more fully at LifeWise.org. What is LifeWise Academy and what's the backstory? Oh, thank you for that question. LifeWise Academy is what's known as a released time religious instruction program. Most people aren't aware that in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that public school students can be released from school during school hours to receive religious instruction, provided the programs off school property, privately funded, and with parental permission. And so LifeWise is a Bible education program for public school students that we operate during school hours, students are released to us. We teach them the Bible and we take them back to school. Yeah, it's really great. I, um, I've watched the videos um, that are linked at lifewise.org. Um, dot 
um, you know, there's like a, a a little mini bus that comes and it picks kids up and it takes them to an off-site location and it looks like like super fast vacation Bible school in terms of the the video clips. It's not, you know, it's not just sitting in a chair studying the Bible, but it is in part sitting in a chair studying the Bible, but it's also acting out the stories of the Bible and obviously um, engaging in ways that um, are age-appropriate. And so talk a little bit about that. Like LifeWise Academy um, functions in what kinds of schools, in what kinds of communities, like give us a little window into it. Yes, absolutely. Well, LifeWise is... For all public schools and for public school students, we tend to start at the elementary age and students tend to have an opportunity to go to LifeWise once per week. So in the same way that a student will have art class once a week or gym class once or twice a week, uh, with LifeWise, they can have a Bible class once a week. And so it tends to operate on a rotation um, in the same way that a school might have one art teacher or two art teachers that kind of rotates through classroom by classroom will take a classroom or two of kids at a time. Uh, those kids that who have a parental permission slip, that is, and we pick them up, we teach them the Bible. And in some schools, we're seeing incredible participation rates and incredible impact. We have one school in Northwest Ohio that there's a thousand kids in the elementary school, over 900 of them are in LifeWise Academy. And we pick up two wow. classrooms at a time, five, five times a day, five days a week, and teach over 900 kids the Bible. Okay, that's amazing. Um, it's just extraordinary. Again, um, LifeWise functions during school hours. Um, during school hours. That's a, a phrase you're going to hear um, frequently here. As long as it is held off school properly, property, it's privately funded, and kids have parental permission, this is a release program that happens in schools across the country. And you might be saying to yourself, well, I want to know if it's happening in my school district. I want to know if it's happening at my school. And if it's not, I want to help make that happen. You can go to lifewise.org. You go to find your school, you pick your state, and then you start typing the name of your school district. A list will populate. Scroll down on there. You might have to use the little bar on the right to scroll all the way down to um, your particular school inside your school district that you're interested in. That's what I did this morning. Um, I found out there's not one operating at my local elementary school. So I'm trying to get 50 signatures, right? That's all it takes is um, you and 49 other people to say we're interested in having this in our school um, and you can get the process started. Talk with us a little bit about um, what you've seen happen in the life of a particular child or the life of a family through LifeWise Academy. Oh, Carmen, how much time do you have? Uh, I, I am. I have the privilege of being in a position that we get stories every single day of the impact um, because, you know, we're teaching kids the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God is living, it's active, it changes lives. And so I think of the boy that there's actually a video about him on our website who uh, was unfamiliar with the Word Bible. He'd never been to church, didn't know anything about the Bible. His his mother got the flyer in the mail, and she thought, oh, Bible education, character education, it couldn't hurt. And so she got him plugged in. He fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with the Bible, asked his teacher to invite his mother to church, his LifeWise teacher. And she did. And what do you know? Fast forward several months, the whole family's plugged into church. The little boy is in the class to be baptized. The mother is now in a weekly Bible study with the LifeWise teacher. And those are the types of stories 
that we now get to hear all the time about the grandma who's in church saying, Hey, I'm here because of LifeWise, because my, my kid, uh, or my grandchild asked me why we weren't going to church. The story about the boy in inner city Columbus who said he loves, uh, LifeWise because his parents don't fight anymore because, mm. um, when he came home and said, why aren't we in church? They, they got plugged in and it has transformed his family. And so it's really the ripple effects of, the word of God in these kids' lives that we're just seeing now on a on a daily basis. Joel, so often I hear from um, you know I hear from listeners who you know they're committed Christians. They want to be um, influencing the lives of emerging generations. They want to be influencing the lives of young families, but they're not in proximity. They're not they're not in proximity to um, to kids who don't know Jesus and to families who are outside of the church. And and because the invitational model is the only one they've ever known, like, right, well, our, our church welcomes everyone. You know, it says, says so on the sign outside in front, you know, so, you know, people are, everybody's welcome to come to church, but that's not how it works today. You, um, you have to find a way into the spaces and places where these children and these families are already living. Um, and the public school is one of those um, locations. And so there's a genius to this um, in terms of the way you're doing it. And so I just want to really affirm that. What kind of opposition um, have has there been to LifeWise? There's been surprisingly little opposition to LifeWise. That was when we got into this, we had, um, you know, we thought, oh, this could work, the, this is, as you just said, this is a very practical strategy to engage with families. Uh, however, we were a little concerned there might be major opposition that, frankly, we haven't seen very much. There is a very small but vocal minority of people that, for whatever reason, they think the Bible is a bad thing and, and they think this is bad for families. But the vast majority of people uh, have a fairly positive view of the Bible, of Bible-based character education. Um, even if they don't take their family to church, they think it's overall a positive thing. And it's entirely voluntary. So it's hard for people to get very upset or very opposed, because if a family wants to participate, they can participate. If they don't want to participate, they don't have to. And that's one of the beautiful things about it. There's this doctrine of the separation of church and state. And, uh, you know, any people can fall down in different places on, you know, what they think about that. But we are literally separating the children from the public school building to teach them the Bible. And it's totally optional. And so there's just not a lot to get upset about. Yeah, I love it. Um, if you have a concern for literacy in your uh, in your community, if you have a concern for um, the the engagement that young people in your community have with Christian adults, and you're just looking for a way to build a bridge. This is this is great for all of those things. Imagine um, having the opportunity to invite a child um, into a relationship with God because you're exposing them to the Bible, um, and so. Um, where evangelism may not be the lead of this, introducing students to scripture um, is, you know, is the lead here. Um, but literacy is a byproduct. Evangelism is a byproduct. Family discipleship is a byproduct. Learning the needs of the families in our communities and giving us the opportunity to engage missionally with them is a byproduct. I don't have enough nice things to say um, about LifeWise Academy. I want you to check it out. 
lifewise.org. We're going to continue our conversation with Joel Penton here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Joel Penton. We're talking about LifeWise Academy. You can find Joel and LifeWise at lifewise.org. Just to remind everybody, LifeWise is a Bible program that takes place on, uh, no, not on public school campuses, during school hours for public school students, but not on the public school campus. Um, The only thing that is required is parental permission and private funding. And so you can obviously see their opportunities for your engagement. Um, Joel, um, when did it start? How many schools is it currently in? What's the growth projection? How do people get involved? All those kinds of nuts and bolts. Yeah, thank you. Well, we started, the idea came in 2018. In fact, we were trying to answer a question posed to me by my hometown. My hometown started, a Van Wert, Ohio, started a release time program in 2012 and saw incredible impact. Within three years, 95% of the entire elementary school was enrolled. Uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio now, but they called me and they said, Joel, you're in ministry, you're run a, non- a nonprofit, help us figure out how there's this thing called release time that has is this amazing opportunity. We've got 95% of our kids in the program, uh, but n- no one's ever he- seemingly heard of it. Why, don't, why isn't there a program like this in every community coast to coast? Release t- time has been around for 70 years. It was answering that question that led us to uh, start LifeWise because we concluded that release time, taking kids out of school, teaching them the Bible, bringing them back, it's a simple concept, but the execution of it isn't simple, that there's a lot mm-hmm. of barriers to entry. And so we set out to create a program that was entirely plug and play, that any community coast to coast would be able to implement and hit the ground running without having to reinvent the wheel. So in 2018, that idea went on to paper. In 2019, we launched our first two pilot programs. Uh, we thought, let's try to serve 25 schools by 2025. And in 2021, we were serving 36 schools. And we realized, wow, we're onto something here. Uh, today, we're serving 133 schools across four states. And we are confirmed with written approval in 288 schools across 10 states for next school year. Oh, so that is so great. That is so great. Um, all right. So um, that this is exciting. Um, I'm, I'm obviously energized and thrilled, um, about it. Talk with us, um, a little bit about, let me, what are the other kinds of release time programs? I mean, in, if in one school or one school district, 95% of kids are engaged in some kind of release time program, that means that literally the overwhelming majority of kids are leaving campus at some point on some day of the week to do something other than, you know, what the school district is providing. What what other kinds of release time programs are there? 
You know, that's a good question. Well, there are a number of uh, religious release time programs. This practice has been around for, as I said, 70 years. Um, however, it just hasn't been widely practiced. It's practiced here and there in different regions. Every now and then I bump into somebody who says, oh, yeah, I did, I did that when I was um, in school. Um, it's just not widely known. But it, it is unique in that um, release time, the Supreme Court ruling was specifically about religious education and now 26 states have laws on the books about release time religious education and so the legislation is there the precedent is there it's just a matter of us taking advantage of that opportunity and just quickly you you had asked me to to tell people how to get involved and then i failed to do so after i told you how many schools we're serving um as you mentioned lifewise.org is where you can get all the resources again we exist to equip communities it isn't as though we're going to send somebody from columbus ohio to start a lifewise in your community we provide tools and resources for any community coast to coast to implement one of these programs. And as you said, it starts by going to LifeWise.org, finding your school and beginning what is a 10-step launch process to get a program started. And it starts with collecting 50 signatures. That kicks off the launch process. That communicates to us and communicates to your school. There's a community here that wants to implement that. And then the process kind of takes care of itself. From those 50 people, we find a steering committee. That steering committee develops a plan with our staff. Uh, The plan, uh, or I'm sorry, our staff and the committee speak to the school and the the process goes on from there. So if you're just listening and you're thinking, oh boy, this sounds like a lot. I can't lead something like this. That's okay. Go to the website, find your school, and at least add your name to the list and send that link, your school district uh, web uh, page on our website out to others to get those 50 signatures. It's really, um, it's, it's, it's just extraordinary. And so I just want to celebrate it. I know maybe I sound like I'm speechless, but that's because um, it's just rare to have um, somebody doing something so positive that's uh, kind of catching on like wildfire and um, where there are already so many positive stories to tell. So tell us another story because stories are sticky. Um, and so, you know, again, um, what difference have have you seen it already make in the life of a child and then that child's family, the school, the community? Um, tell us a story. Yeah, well, I tell you the stories, for whatever reason, the stories that really get me um, are those at the very front end of impact, mm. um, of when it confirms that we are reaching the kids we know aren't being reached. Cause I, I'm a father, I have five children of my own and I get to share the gospel with them um, every day, but I know there's a lot of kids that aren't familiar. And so when I heard the story of the girl that came into our program in a large suburb um, and they put a Bible in her hand and they showed her how to find John three sixteen, and her, and her response was the pages are so thin. They're like tissue paper. Um, because she'd never held a Bible in her hands mm. and she was amazed. And it just spoke to me. What's that like? You know, because I, I don't remember not knowing what a Bible was like. Um, and here we are, we get to not only put a Bible in her hands and now we get to teach her about Jesus. It, 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 I think of the boy in inner city, in the inner city who he really wanted to go to LifeWise, uh, but he didn't think he would be allowed because his family's Muslim. And so he forged the permission slip, but the school, it was obvious to the school because he's only in third grade. <laughs> so he, did, he didn't do a good job. 
And so they said, you can't go. Uh, but the, so he went to his parents and he asked them and he got their permission. And so he went to class and we had a group visiting that class uh, the first day and we got to hear his questions and they, he, he was nonstop questions. So wait, you're telling me Jesus will forgive us for what we've done wrong? What, what about what if we do something wrong in the future? And so it's those stories of just realizing that these we often take scripture for granted and we take the gospel for granted but there's most people now they don't know it they they haven't heard it our, our statistic favorite favorite statistic is that uh, while only 20% of kids actually less than 20% of kids are in a church on sunday mornings 90% of them are in public school and so if mm-hmm. we want to get the gospel to them we need to go to them and so we're trying to create the most practical and straightforward way to do that I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait to um to get updates over time um and I can't wait for 49 of my neighbors to join me right where I am. Um so uh would love to see this in the public school where where I live. Um that statistic right there, 20% of kids in America um are in church on a given Sunday in a month. It's not that they're there on any sort of regular basis. 90% of kids in America are in public schools. So LifeWise Academy um, is a way to um, leverage the good decision that's already made by the U.S. Supreme Court um, for these release time religious education programs during school hours. The forthcoming book is During School Hours, but you can check out LifeWise Academy and get involved right now, lifewise.org. Joel, um, I hope you'll come back with an update from those 288 programs across 10 states in the coming school year. I would absolutely love that. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share about what the Lord is doing. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Joel Penton. You can find him, lifewise.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. You have probably heard by now um, that Tina Turner um, has died. She was 83 years old. She was also a Buddhist. Um, you're going to hear um, at least a portion of her song, What's Love Got to Do With It, um, across every media outlet today and in the days to come. And I want you to be able to answer that question. What's love got to do with it? Um, is love just a secondhand emotion? I want you to read in today on what the Bible says about love and who love is. Um, Because love is not just a secondhand emotion. God is love. And God's love is is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's re-familiarize ourselves with that. Love is um, God's command to us that we love one another. Love is uh, the, the first fruit listed in The list in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Love is who God is. Love is what God gives. Love is what God commands. Love is what God cultivates. What's love got to do with it? Absolutely everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What's, got, what's love got to do with it? Everything. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.